amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. It has been long overdue to expose the truth that the Democrats and Republicans are sucking the life out of America's liberty and usurping our rights at every turn. Now is the time to seize our civil liberties and take back our individual rights. Here on Southern Liberty, we will expose it all. With his musket on his back, the Declaration of Independence in one hand, and the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Roderick Threats. Happy Sunday. Liberty Defenders, and welcome to the latest installment of Chasing Life, Liberty, and Minarchy. I hope everyone's had a blessed weekend. I hope everyone has tackled those household household chores, I'm sorry, that um, you may have missed during the week enjoyed your family things like that but we're turning around into the week we got to gear up for the first week and you know we got to put our our battle armor on right and then get ready to fight for liberty because it should never be a day that goes by that you're not fighting for liberty but it always it's always the first of the week according to the news cycle that we got to look with that side eye right like what y'all coming at us with this time and how y'all going to play it out all week. With that, I wanted. I, I, I talk about it on Southern Liberty a lot. And. I haven't really took the time to explain it. I know some of you have probably looked it up. Um, yeah, the, This topic we're going to talk about here briefly. Um, we're not going to be here too long. Um. But we're gonna talk about minarchy because that's one of the one of the words. That's actually the the most meaningful word out of the whole sentence: chasing life, liberty, and minarchy, right? Because you can't preserve life, you can't preserve liberty unless you have minarchy, right? Now, I want folks to understand what is, you know. What is a minarchist, right? I guess we'll have to go there a second, right? And a minarchist basically is a individual that believes that the state should only exist for the purpose of maintaining law and order. That's it, right? 
And now when I mention the state, I'm talking about the government, any level, local, state, or federal, right? The state should only exist for the purpose of maintaining law and order. That's it, right? Monarchism at its core, right? Um, We believe that the state's only function is to protect people from theft, breach of contract, fraud, and aggression, or in other words, the violation of the NAP, right? The non-aggression principle or non-aggression axiom, depending on what circles you're speaking, but it's the same thing, right? Now, in a minarchist type government or a night watchman state, as you probably hear, the government would still actually like maintain military, you know, sheriff, right? Uh, um, courts, fire departments, prisons, legislatures, things like that. But the state, right, would have no ability to interfere with capitalist transactions or free market transactions amongst the people, right? Um, a lot of people are really against this concept. Why? Because they think the government should steer directions of people that they think may not comply. Well, their, their original fault in that itself is the fact that you have erased liberty and freedom by having a government create laws or rules to to um, impose uniformity, right? Now, now, personally, as a monarchist, my belief, right, especially when it comes to the economy, right, should be a more of a standbyish approach. Right, because if you just stand by and just wait, right, the 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 improved economic prosperity compared to the current system would be phenomenal, right? So if if we if we take the root, right, of the word minarchism or minarchist it means minimal statism or minimal state now we all know as much as we say abolish the state tear down the state right there is a purpose for the state if it stays within its boundaries our united states constitution in its original form was the document to create the minarchist government, but you had people that had control and evil in mind that bastardized our constitution. All right, my as minarchist, right? And I think a lot, a, a lot, a lot of you guys that listen consistently understand right we all have the understanding that we want little interference from the state as possible right other than to enforce contracts right this is why contract laws are very important right between two private individuals 
right? We, 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 you know, we still want the night watchman state to act as a check and balance rather than being an enforcement arm. And, 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 and I think that's where the disconnect is for, for, for a lot of people, right? For the anti-statist and the statist, right? Cause the statist want the government and the state to be an enforcement arm and not being a check and balance system. And again, if you look at the United States Constitution, right? One of the things they built in was the checks and balances, right? That's what we're supposed to be, right? The checks and balances, right? Now, some minarchists, and I seem to agree with kind of both sides um, of the argument when it comes to the welfare state, right? There, you know, there should be a minimal welfare state, right? When, when, when these, when these safety nets, right, are placed in for the working class only, not the the class of people that want to lay around, right, and 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 um, do nothing or be bums on the street. Right. Or want to be professional protesters and professional activists, per se. Right. I, I tend to be, I tend to lean towards having a social safety net for those that work because economy is not stable. It's never going to be a stable thing. Right. So there should be. And I'm not talking social on the level of Social Security. Social Security is the fraud within itself, and that's another discussion. But the social safety, the safety net for the working class people in a, in a, in a, in a, in a monarchist type government and a voluntarist type society, you know, should be enough to make sure people are not draining resources from others, but also give them the ability to get back on their feet instead of giving them a choice of you either stay here in this pigeonhole or you you um you stay in this pigeonhole with us and we, we feed you and give you everything you need, make you lazy, or if you go out there you get nothing from us. Right? And that's one of my one of my biggest one one of my one of my biggest biggest beefs, right? When 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 we talk to these these people that want universal uh, guaranteed universal UBI right universal basic income right it doesn't work it's unsustainable but a social safety net for the working class is sustainable right in a voluntarist type society right it is sustainable right because people are going to be more eager to get out there into an economy even though you've fallen on your luck right. You know, your, your business collapsed or, you know, say you got laid off, you lost your job, whatever. That social safety net is like, okay, I can chill out a minute, relax, rebrand myself a little bit. I have a limited time. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be on the dole forever. I'm not saying that, you know, we'll, we, you know, we, we could probably set up, we have to look at the economics, right? But I would say for an example, right, uh, a three month dole, right? For the working class person that just has fallen on their luck, right? So they don't lose everything that they created because of a company creating some sort of downsizing things like that, right? So it gives people a chance 
to rebrand themselves, get themselves back out there. And that's kind of what unemployment does, but it doesn't do enough because, again, the unemployment systems like unemployment is you get this 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 little bit of amount of money. And if you want to be here, you got to stay here. You can't make any other money to supplement that income. Right. You can't make any other money to supplement this income. And if you do, we're going to subtract it from that, even if it's a minimal ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars. Right. But we can discuss those kind of systems and things like that later, right? When it comes to that regard, and this is where I kind of I, I kind of take shots at the left and the right, you know, of the of the political paradigm at this social safety net thing because the left wants social security to continue in perpetuity. It's already it's already in the red. It's unsustainable, right? But at the same time, the my 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 a lot of folks on the right don't want to even privatize it. So people can have access to the money they put in. Right. That's another story. But the social safety net for working class people should be should be a thing and help people get back on their feet in a roaring economy. Right. Because if the government takes their hands off the economy in in a minarchist type state, that economy is going to do what it do. Right. And then you start, you know what you create there? You really create innovation. Right. You really create that jack of all trades. Right. Because I know a lot of us that that, you know, a lot of you guys that listen to me. Right. We're we're all older folk. Right. We're all over 45, 50. And we watched our parents, especially our 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 fathers and grandfathers. And those of us that had the pleasure of, you know, being with our great grandparents, great grandfathers. They were a jack of many trades. They could be plumbers. They could be carpenters. They could be electricians. They could do it all. Right. Because the economy permit allowed them to be able to do that right oh pops was an electrician for three years then he was he was was a carpenter for two years right because they they were able to you know learn these different skills and adjust to the economy and get into a place where they needed to be now you can't do that you got to be branded one way right and you have to follow the direction of the evolution of the economy the way they're steering the economy not organically but the way the government is steering the economy. You know, I know you guys remember for a while it was IT, right? It, it was IT that everybody had to gear towards. You had to get your uh, degree in computer science because computers was way in the future. Now computers are really at a standstill now, right? Right. I mean, the only thing you can do is build a bigger computer. We're almost at the tail end of computer technology for the most part, right? There's going to be like no huge new advancements because we've hit literally have hit that brick wall. Right. So now these people that have computer science degrees, things like that, these uh, even even going into the gaming industry, right? The video gaming industry, right? These a lot of these companies are having massive layoffs right now because they've hit their ceiling. And now these kids that got these graphic design degrees and video gaming creation degrees, this, that and the third, you're left in the dust. You're left in the dust because you follow a government-created economy, right? When 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 the government back after after the New Deal started shifting our economy from a manufacturing-based economy, right, which really included the blue-collar 
you know, the blue collar workers like the carpenters, the electricians, you know, the, the brick masons, people like that. And it started becoming service oriented. Right. That's what made the tech field more appealing because the service type jobs. You I mean, unless you got into a, a good a good restaurant or you owned your own restaurant. Right. Um, you weren't making good money, which made, they say, oh, go get a college degree so you can be somebody. Have you skipped the trades? Because they didn't want you going into a field or an area, uh, an economic space of manufacturing per se, right? Where you could, you know, be a welder, this, that, and the third, where the money is sitting. They want to control your money, Right. They, they want to control you. And that, that goes back to what we we're talking about, right? Having the government, a minarchist type government that t- literally takes their hands off of the economy and let it do its thing, right? So with that, I know I've kind of went to a rabbit hole on that a little bit, but that's kind of, like I said, that's kind of my position on that. We should have a, we should have a social safety net for the working class, people that are working, Right. And doing and doing what they're supposed to be doing. I agree with that 100 percent. Right. As a community, we agree on that. Not the government creating it, but we the people, we would create something like that. And it doesn't necessarily in some cases have to be monetary. Right. Doesn't have to be monetary. It could just be, you know, hey, um, I got I, I, I got a, I, I got a peck of um, I got a peck of peppers. You know, I, I can give you, right? So you can, you know, spice up your food, right? You know, your farmer down the street give you, you know, a, a quarter or a half a cow, right? So things like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be monetarily, right? I mean, those are just the things to think about, you know, that people help survive, right? And, you know, they get a little bit of cash, a little bit of cash too, whatever, right? But that's something us as a society we should co- deal with, not as a government deal with right because we see by god what they do when the government gives you something right we see what they do but anyway um i i i would i would also argue in that same vein right that getting rid of welfare right would make sense if you eliminated capitalism right now we 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 have the political left right that so always talking about tax the rich get rid of corporate welfare on a, on a huge level rather than social welfare right for underprivileged and poor people right so i want you to really think about that a second because yeah we all don't agree with corporate welfare but we don't agree with it on all levels when the government has its hands in it when the left talks about getting rid of welfare, they're speaking from a standpoint that the government controls everything. And that context is very, very, very important. That context is very, 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 very important. Now, when when we when when we talk about minarchism, right? We 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 have to speak on it in its true meaning, right? Minimal government intervention, and I think everybody likes a little bit less government in their life, right? 
and, and the main thing that people have to remember is that with this mindset, right, we understand that government still has a role in our society. But the government needs to understand that they have parameters in which they can operate because of the contract that was created, a.k.a. the U.S. Constitution. That's a contract between the people, the citizens of the United States. Or as I say, this is, it, let, me, let me take that back. Let me, let me put it in its, in its originalist context. The United States Constitution was a contract between the states, which is ran by the people, and the creation of the federal government. Remember, not the United States, the creation of the federal government. Okay? We've long gone before that because every amendment after after the 10th has literally reached in and affected how we transact with each other. Right? Now, don't make no mistake. Many people confuse us minarchists as anarchists. Right. Anarchists believe government has no role and should not have any purpose in maintaining any checks or balances. Right. Anarchists also believe that you should be responsible for defending your property, enforcing your own laws and backing up your own contracts with as much as little force as possible. I get that concept. But at the same time, how do we hold someone accountable for violating natural rights, because you just can't create your own laws on your own property, and everybody has to remember that, right? So that 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 gets complicated. We can talk about that another time, but it's just something to think about, right? It's something to think about, right? Now, remember, right? And when 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 I explain, um more of the minarchist mindset or I should say kind of say my mindset when it comes to this, right? Um, please remember, I, I'm speaking from, from, from a point of that the government is already too big, right? So I'm kind of giving you solutions to the whole thing, Right? See, see, I, I believe, right, that the, the, the state, the government, has a role in providing logical consequences for aggression. And that's any aggression, right? We're not talking about microaggressions. We're talking aggressions, right? You guys know about the NAP, the non-aggression principle, the non-aggression axiom, Right? The key word is logical, not some made up consequence because you feel someone is disadvantaged, right? Because a lot of these laws, right? And let's keep We're going to keep it all the way real. A lot of these laws, these civil rights laws, right, are not logical consequences for aggression, right? They're just not. There's no logic in it besides, oh, these people are downtrodden, so we got to continue to treat them as they're downtrodden. 
while the people that created the law is creating the downtroddenness, right? Does that make sense? Because that goes back still to the age old question I keep asking people. If you have full constitutional rights, why do you need civil rights? Why do you need civil rights if you have full constitutional rights? Bill of Rights, 1 through 10. Why do you, why do you need civil rights? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Most statists cannot answer that question because they're too dependent on the state, right? And, 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 it's, and it's illogical for them to think that you need a second layer of rights when, you know, your, your natural rights are what's, what's most important. Everything else goes to the wayside at that point. Everything falls under natural rights and natural law, right? And these same people, right, that believe that there should be civil rights are the same people that say it's impossible to have any type of society without a state because the quote unquote, they think they like the, the enforcement is optional of laws, right? Making it for an unviable political system, right? So this is what statists do, right? They tie in, right? Illogical consequences, to com- to make a society conform or comply for political reasons, right? I, I want people to think about this a minute, right? A lot of these people, a lot of these other people, not the minarchist, right? They think that adding bloating the state, right? People wouldn't have to defend those their their selves or the things they worked hard for. Right. They could just call the police on the phone, right? Gun control, right? Right? Gun control, right? You don't need your gun, call the state. Call the same state that that will that that can that, that has the authority to pull the trigger on you, even if you twitch, right? Because let's keep in mind, right? Let's let's keep this all the way real, right? Our government has been reframed since eighteen seventy one, right? As a political system, no more, no less. Right? And, and keep in mind, a government that is built on total government control will be biased as well. Right, right? This is, this is what statists want. Right? And we see it. We see when the Republicans take office, oh, no, we got to pass all these laws to impose our moral will. Democrats get in office. They do the exact same thing. 
We're going to manipulate the economy. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to, we're, we're going to raise the corporate tax rate to 91%. Next party gets it. We're going to lower it to only 39%. Oh, we're not, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to reduce the, we're going to re- reduce salt. Right. We're going to reduce salt. The other the other team. No, we got to add the salt because we need infrastructure. See, see, see what I mean? The bias that when, when government becomes a total political machine, this is what happens. This is exactly what happens. Right. You can create a political system that respects individual rights. Wait, we already did that. United States Constitution, right? The United States Constitution is the only constitution in the world that respects individual rights. But again, what they've done, 11 through 27, what have they done? Right. What have you done? They have taken your individual, most of your individual rights away from you, right? Taxation, right? When we talk about taxation as a minarchist, right? And and, and I understand both sides of this argument too, right? That the taxation is a necessary evil to to prevent the free riders, right? But at the same time, taxation, right? And I think everybody agrees with 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 with, with the point I'm about to make, right? We, you know, a lot of us think monarchist or you know, I won't say anti-government type, but people that believe that taxation is extortion, right? We think we 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 think it's wrong, right, to have to pay for government's funding in a free society, right? Which which if the government is a political machine, you're just you're you're just feeling politics, aka twenty seventh amendment. Right? <laughs> right? We shouldn't be forced to do that. This is where this is where status get it wrong when it comes to taxation, right? Or get your money sent overseas, right? Right? Now I kind of, when it comes to this taxation bit, how, how do how do we alleviate taxation? I'm kind of with uh, Iron Rand on this one, right? Because um, Iron Rand believes that the removal of tax should occur gradually, incrementally over time, so it doesn't cripple the the, the economic society, right? Now. With that being said, when we talk about fire department, when we talk about um, ambulance, things like that, right? I think those should be fees for services provided instead of a tax, right? Because those of you that pay a local tax, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for EMS. You're paying for police, things like that, right? But if you never use them, right, then that's what, and most people, most people 
are healthy, you know, to a point where they hardly ever, they don't ever have to call for an ambulance, right? They live their whole life and not have to call an ambulance, right? Now, if you get into an accident, right? If you get into an accident and it wasn't your fault, you shouldn't have to pay the fee for the ambulance. The person that caused the accident should have to pay the fee for the ambulance, right? To come get you, right? Because they cre- they created the extra cost on, on the cost burden on you, financial burden on you, right? So they should they should pay for that, right? And and, and I'm not going to sit here and get break down really how we should run a voluntarist type society. Um, but that's just kind of the few things that we can bounce around, you know, ideas wise when it comes to this taxation bit, you know. Um, that, that'd be an interesting conversation to have with a couple of people like, 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 like Dr. Sad and people like that. That would be a very interesting conversation, right? Now, when, when we, when when we talk about minarchism, we have to talk about talk about objectivism also, right? We have to talk about objectivism, right? Because you also have to believe as a monarchist, right? The government has to have the means to provide a retaliatory force with objective control, right? And again, right, the United States government, I mean, the United States Constitution provides that, right? Doesn't the United States Constitution provide for an army? Right? It's already there. Right? I I hope you are seeing the connections. Right? Right? I just want people to think about that a second, right? And, and, and I think the the the, uh, the other part of this is we all we we all know and understand that government has no right. That isn't provided to it by the citizens. Right? The government should never be responsible for developing its own policies and procedures. Right? We are supposed to be in control of that. But what we have now, again, with the amendments 11 through 27, we have a system that works against us, not for us. Because we allowed them by not paying attention to keep our heads in the sand. We've allowed this government to expand so far. It, it's it, it's literally it went from a minarchist type type situation to a micromanaging type of situation, right? Where you literally you walk out your front door, you've probably committed six felonies by the time you get to your car. <laughs> Seriously, you've probably committed six to eight felonies between walking from your front door to the car. You drive your car one mile, you've probably committed about 20 felonies. Straight up. This is what a micromanaged, what a, what a micromanager called government does to its citizens. Every time you turn around, you got to wonder if you broke the law. Because they keep throwing laws on top of laws on top of laws and not telling us they're putting these laws in play. 
right? I'll say this. I I I I think, and again, if you've never read read Anne Rand, um, I I would go I would go read read her stuff. It, it, it's good stuff. And I kind of I I I've always agreed with her when it, when it came to um objectivism, right? And when we talk about our government and, and the libertarian type political philosophy, right, that focuses more on public policy, right? I think we have to integrate more philosophical stuff into the system, right? Because when we're debating these ideas, we're debating ideas based off of um, information that was data collected instead of your thoughts, right? And those of you that have been on social media for any point in time, and you recognize this, and I, I and and shout out to Miss Val if she's in the in the, in the live live audience there. Um, when we talk about um, these psychological issues and politics on Tuesdays on our Tuesday show, um, philosophy is really in amongst that, right? And you know we have philosophical discussions. Right. Based on psychology and the politics thereof that it's involved in. Right. And we don't have those kind of talks as a people anymore because we're taught you got to look for the data sets. You got to look for the data points. You got to debate our data points. Why can't you have your own voice, your own philosophy on how, you know what I'm saying, how it could or couldn't work and come up with your own ideas instead of being driven by white papers. Right. Why are we not as a people spitballing ideas? Why are we not spitballing ideas off of each other and seeing what, what philosophies work, right? Why, why are we not, you know, on, on the house, the U.S. house floor, why are we not arguing instead of arguing from an ideological standpoint on the issues? Why are we not arguing from an epicurious type mindset or Plato type mindset or a Marcus Aurelius type mindset, right? Why are we not arguing from, the, from, from a philosophical point of view and seeing if they jive with the political philosophy, Right? And I think most of us Especially the folks that literally listen to our show lineup really gets gets that, and we really we really get into it on Tuesdays. I know we put Miss Val on the spot. Sorry if you're in the, in the live audience, Miss Val. My bad. <laughs> then we put you on the spot, but that that's kind of that's kind of where we go. That's that's the road, right? We have to argue it. Um, philosophically and psychologically in the politics, right? Because politics is really a big ball of psych, uh, psychology and uh, ideology, 
and how people react to those different things. Right. But most people, again, cannot argue it, argue their their stance for, like, let's say, being a conservative from a philosophical standpoint. They will argue it from an ideological standpoint. Right. And this is in this area here. And I've been thinking about this. Right. Is that. Conservatives have the ability to argue conservatism from a philosophical standpoint. Well, rather liberalism, they can't because everything is based on emotions and how they feel about something. And it's not thought all the way through. Right. If I was to place. If I was to place philosophical labels on the ideologies, the two major ideologies out there, right? I would, I would definitely, um, I would place, um, like conservatism in the in the realm of like a, a Marcus Aurelius, right? Stoic, foundational. Right. I would I would place progressivism. That's a hard one. Um, but I would definitely I, I, w- I would place I would definitely place modern liberalism. In the realm of Neoplatoism. Right. And if you know anything about these philosophers, you, you, you you're going to you, you definitely understand um, what I, what I mean by that. Right. Your 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 um uh your your progressives are more on the lines of like a um I would say Epicurious. No, actually let me take that back. Your your liberals are more of an Epicurean thought, philosophical thought process, right? My conservatives are probably more on the lines of of the, the John Locke um more yeah, more on the John Locke side. Of things and the Marcus Aurelius part of things, right? Um, but that's just an example, right? And 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 I think once you start arguing your ideology from a philosophical standpoint, this is this is where, especially my conservative friends, you're going to gain ground. My libertarian friends, this is where you're going to gain ground, right? Because when you have people have to think about why they believe, how they believe from an individualistic standpoint without the white papers and the newspapers and the data sets to look at, oh, look, the data says this, so this has to be right and goes against everything their gut says, right? You're, well, you, you will start getting more of the moral high ground back because right now the moral high ground is emotional. Right. And no knock against my conservative friends. Right. But my conservative friends are they're They're, they're more stoic out of all the 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 ideologies, political ideologies we have in this country. The conservatives are the, are the most stoic. They're just like, mm, you know what? It's all right. Y'all, y'all, y'all will pipe up all the time. See that stuff going across the border. That shit's wrong, bro. 
But we're not going to sit here and get all slap happy about it. But then the the Neo-Plato, you know, Neo-Plato uh, philosophical followers, a.k.a. the liberals, right? They will come in and throw ad hominems at you to get you out your character. And they're very good at it because they these people have been manipulating emotions for hundreds of years. They just passed down how to do it to the new people here, right? They know how to manipulate your emotions to get under your skin, right? But that's just something for my conservative friends to think to, to think about, right? For we to close out the evening, right? Go pick up Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged. That's probably the best one, right? Atlas Shrugged. Um, I'm trying to think about a couple a couple of other ones. Um, Fountainhead is another good one um, that she wrote. Um, and yeah, despite, yeah, she was on government assistance at the towards the end of her life, you know, just that and third, whatever, right? Ignore that from the people that are. But once you understand the objectivism and the philosophy she injects into politics, that will also open up another world for you when talking about being a conservative, right? You can explain without the ideology why you are a conservative. You can explain why you are a minarchist. You can explain why you are a libertarian, right? Just by understanding the philosophy of it, not the ideology, the philosophy thereof, right? And apply that correctly, right? So I want to thank everybody for hanging out this evening. And remember, we have to get people thinking logically about how and why they believe what they subscribe to. Because people that flip-flop they, I, oh, I was a conservative, now I'm a liberal. They were never principled. They never understand the philosophy behind being that. And those same people that flip from conservative to being liberal will be back being conservative before you know it. But it's never the other way around. When people go from liberal to conservative, they stay. Until next time, y'all. Remember, status are the existential threat to the existence of humanity. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Southern Liberty Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.bpmg.us or leave a rating and review on iTunes. To catch all the latest from Roderick, you can follow him on social media at manofjustice007. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.